You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Andre Prue. It's back for the Gibson House of Wine. Yes, you saw the you saw the marquee. I actually have a marquee up. Yes, it says Gibson House of Wine. So I was like, what? Uh, then I realized why, so I figured it out. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if you wanted me to give your address. So I- oh, I think people can figure it out. I think there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are just flat out open invite to the, to the house. And we're joined by a special guest. Yes, today and uh, this podcast, and then we're going to have another one coming up. Uh, we're uh, really focusing on Cab Franc, so um, mm-hmm. we oh, have yeah, brought back a swear jar. Oh, oh yes, shoot. please do. Shoot, she says. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Uh, no, I, well, no, but it's always when we have to explain that we're focusing on Cabernet Franc because of me hijacking the podcast last year with the c word. So we brought Allison back, and she is going to. First, I don't even know what she's doing. She's just pulled out bottles of Cab Franc. And then we are going to play a little Stump the Chump, uh, and that'll that'll play a little bit later on. So there Not are two podcasts that Allison's going to, we're going to see if she, you know, put her money where her mouth is. <laughs> where, you know, we, we are doing I Stump love the, the Chump, Chump I love the Stump the Chump because it creates. So for people who don't know, Allison on Instagram is Cab Franc Chronicles. And I was excited to get her on, like, way earlier in the, the creation of your account because, like, I'm just, I'm drawn to good content. And the content, like, it's a really, really good account, but you need to know a few things, but you'll also learn a few things. Some to that nature, yeah. Because yeah. every Wednesday is quiz day, and there is an exclusive club of people who got 100%, but you have, like, literally hundreds so of people true. who have taken this test, and, like, it's a tiny number of people who have got 100% on it. Correct. Every time? No, no. It, there's now a leaderboard. for the Oh, quiz. really? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a quiz le- leaderboard. So I... Uh... Not that I'm really proud of this, but uh, Tim Hortons has a, um, a, a hockey thing on their app, and I've been doing that for for a while. You have to pick who's going to score goals that night. Okay. And uh, I think as of this morning, I was one hundred and seventy eight thousand and twelve on the leaderboard. So uh, right on. Yeah, so, which was up from my two hundred and eight thousand. So I'm, that was I'm moving along. What are we doing here? You've pulled out a half dozen bottles, um, and. Some of the producers we know, some of the producers are friends of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we start. We started Chaportis, the 2020 uh, Cab Franc from Vineland, which yeah. we tasted on the podcast not too long ago when we had Brian on. Yeah. And we feel really bad because Allison opened it up and we said, we've tried it before. It's a delicious bottle of wine, by yeah, the way. Yeah, you, you shotgunned it. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. It was my it's the first wine of the day, and the first wine of the day goes down like a shot. You, you you shotgunned it like a kid like shotguns PBR at a college frat party. Yeah, I just I, I knew what the wine was. And I wanted to get on to the next thing. Yeah, this um, Brian's entry level Cab Franc is is my house wine. Um, there's always a case uh, in in my apartment for those moments when I don't want to think because it's just it's crushable. It's you know great value, and he makes such a great wine. And every vintage is fantastic. And the 2020s. Is banging. Um, and it's fourteen ninety five, right? Like, yeah. like I remember when it was twelve ninety five, and it was banging yep. at that point. And then you the know, price wasn't even that long ago, but even at fifteen bucks, I think I think it's one of the I think the nice things about the pandemic is people are willing to spend a little bit more to support local. And I think there's been a little bit more chatter, you know, with wineries doing direct to consumer that they actually get to keep more money in their pocket when they get to do that. Yeah. But I know, like people like Brian. I remember, I guess it was last year, two years ago, where he was at risk of losing the general list listing at the LCBO. And I, I know that that wine, and being on the general list of the LCBO, is very important to Vineland. Yeah. 
Yeah, he had to, uh, you know, sometimes you rush it out, and but I still think he does a great job on it. And um, I think it's it's cool, like, because in, in 2020, I, I know it's one of the things in, in Ontario in, like, a hot vintage, um, those green notes generally don't exist. Period. Not at all. And I, I think you and I may have discussed on the podcast a long time whether green notes even belong in Cabernet Franc. But I, there's definitely, like, a slight see, I, I a don't slight think they do. Notes. I think Ontario's being really good about taking it out. Uh, I know that in Loire they keep it in. That's my my, you know, I'm, why I'm telling Allison this. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but I I think I find it more in Loire than I do in. in yeah, and I think there's a misconception that um, that Niagara is cool, like as a as a climate, because really we're a lot warmer than what a lot of people assume we are, because we think of our extremes as far as winter and. Um, those conditions but in reality our summers are quite warm so um, it's more a factor in terms of when that green comes through when we haven't had enough sunshine which is for me the bigger issue is when the sunshine isn't there and we've had too too much rain or a really overcast growing season is where we see the green not so much temperatures oh that's interesting well let's not talk about this year well, yeah, okay, so what, So what's the first wine, besides the Vineland 2020? So there's something else so, in my glass here. I haven't oh. shotgunned this one. Yeah, Andre. And, why, Andre, and so, why are you pouring it, I guess? That's, that's the So the, the whole thing that I kind of wanted to, to kind of talk about is um, Cap Franc is one of those core varieties for, for Ontario, for Niagara, and we're starting to see now um, really distinctive styles coming out of sort of the two main growing regions. We have, of course, the Escarpment, and then we have Niagara-on-the-Lake. And what I really wanted to kind of showcase today, and of course there's different vintages here and different winemaking approaches, but we're starting to see some very distinctive styles coming from um, the bench versus Niagara-on-the-Lake. So this first wine is um, near and dear to my heart. This is from the Boutique Vineyard, and it's the Clone 214 from uh, Vineland Estates. Mm. And um, these wines were planted in 2006. And this is like quintessential, for me, quintessential sort of escarpment Cabernet Franc. It's a little leaner. It's a bit sort of more nervy in terms of that kind of acidity. You have more impact of the limestone. It's a cooler region compared to Niagara-on-the-Lake as well. And what vintage did you say that was? This is 2017. 17. All right. It doesn't have that intensity that I would assume from 2017. Oh, I Um, think it has plenty of intensity. Like, the thing I find unusual about Bench Franc is when it's got, like, cassis. And this smells like blackcurrant jam, but it doesn't have that, like, jamminess in California and intensity to it. Like, it's like... But the, the, you know, I, I bought some like fresh black currants from up yep. the street last year, and this, this tastes like fresh black currants. And that's the thing with seventeen as a vintage, um, which is a vintage. I think you know we always talk about these warmer vintages like twenty and sixteen, twelve, ten. Um, but a vintage like twenty seventeen, we had that nice Indian summer that kind of came through September, yep. October. We're nice and sunny, dry, and that's what Cab Franc needs is that sort of dry conditions yep. and lots of sunshine to burn off those pyrazines. I notice more green notes on 18s versus 17s because we had, um, you know, all that rain in in 18 kind of very similar to this year as far as. But the 17 does, to me, it does seem a little bit on the lean side. It's probably because of the, because of the uh, rain we got during the, during the growing season. It's it's lean. It's right. That's right. But it's, this is, this is, this is definitely like a a food wine, but it's really, I don't know. It's. Probably, I just love the magic of, of 2017. Like, it, pro- it, it probably wasn't good to follow this, the the 2020 with the <laughs> 17 because the 2020 is just such a, like it is a fruit bomb, uh, where this one is a little more delicate. Mm-hmm. 
So, but I'm also getting more complexity on. Uh, granted, it's a it's a step up. Like I think it's spent oh, a little bit more time absolutely. in barrel. This is this is I know one of Brian's baby babies. Like he puts a lot of pride and love into. I remember when he was putting the call out on Facebook for label design on yeah. this. Like he was just so proud about putting this together and. You know, well, well, I love I know, it when that passion gets reflected into the bottle. Well, I know he wants to, well, when he finally has, what, all six or seven or eight of these clones that he's going to do, he's going to come on and we're going to, we're going to talk to him. But I think he's still a couple of years away from getting all of those online. So we're going to have to, you know, you know, bust a move or something and get him on before that. So we I was trying to find something. a way like a, to make a, an obscure Star Wars reference about Clone Wars, but like, that movie was bad and I haven't watched the cartoon. <laughs> So speaking of clones, this is the clone two fourteen. <laughs> thank, thank you for saving me. <laughs> I was just going to stare at him until such time as. So clone two fourteen. This is there's basically three authorized Cupfront clones uh, that are allowed here in Ontario, uh, but there's really only two that are predominant. Three twenty seven, which is a Bordeaux clone, and then two fourteen, which is the Loire clone. And the Loire clone tends to have this real kind of floral impact for me. <clears throat> excuse me, in particular. Um, whereas uh, the the Bordeaux clone tends to have a bit more of that sort of cedar kind of um, kind of I don't want to use the word masculine, but certainly a bit more of that sort of cedar darker toned kind of fruit going Does on. Does muscular work? We've muscular we've could to work. Muscular. Did we do that? <clears throat> yes, muscular versus elegant. Oh, and then things can be both. Yes, this is oh, true. All right. Um, okay, I didn't know we had switched. This is a new one to me. But yes, I know Brian's exploring trying to get more Cab Franc clones in. Um, so how, many, we how many clones are there? I guess I guess that's a, a tough um, question. But I mean, are the main ones? Like, let's say if we're talking like Bordeaux and Loire, because I still think there's a little bit of that. Um, I think in terms of it depends on the register, but I think there's somewhere upwards to forty or forty-five different Cab Franc clones. Really? Um, so yeah. why is the list only uh, limited to three? Because it's that's Canada. No, yeah. it's, it's the Canadian government hasn't authorized more than the, basically these three clones. Like, uh, comparatively, I was in the Finger Lakes back in July, and they have, because they have access to UC Davis, they have like 20 some odd different clones of Cab Franc in the Finger Lakes because they have access to more clonal material. I need to go back and visit, though, because I, I don't remember Cab Franc being particularly it's, strong in the Finger Lakes. They're nope. still, they're still, fig- they're still figuring, figuring it out. It feels like the Canadian <laughs> wine in the, in the 90s. In yeah, the they Finger really, Lakes. well, 80s. Or 70s sometimes. So staying on the escarpment, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't um, show another exceptional vineyard for Cabernet Franc. Oh, friend of the podcast. Um, Yes, definitely friend of the podcast. Because uh, I would say this is the 2015 Fogelar Pocconi Vineyard uh, Cabernet Franc. And if there was a Cab Franc that kind of sealed the deal for me. It was probably one of the Ravine Piconi Vineyard Cab Francs from probably 07 or 2010, because uh, Ravine was taking the fruit for quite some time. Yes, they were um, really, good. really good. But there is something about this site, and I don't know what it is, but it's, you know what? Uh, I think this is sort of, Cab Franc can show place, and I think on good vineyards and good soil, um, it's a it's a rock star wine. I, I would say I li- I still to this day like his sixteen better from the Bacone. But oh, they're both good. But, but the mean, fifteen is 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 aged better than I thought it was going to because when yeah. I when I tried the fifteen I was like it's good and then I tried the sixteen and I went that's just a banger. So this fifteen is uh, still a little on the smoky side for me. Uh, I find it I I find the oak is still quite present. Yeah. Um, I'm just like I'm just like just a lot of fruit like soaring through and it's almost like 
like red licorice on the palate, which is weird because there's no sugar in this wine. Like it's no. bone dry. Yeah. I don't know about red. I go more, more more black, but I'm also getting a lot of that oaky cedary note. Sure. Um, that I, that I find here, but but that six, the, his sixteen, who just was so killer, yeah. just an absolute killer bottle. And so, this is just this is the precursor to it. Mm-hmm. So this is coming from. So the Piconi Vineyard is in Vimont Ridge, which is at the top of the escarpment, and. This it's one of the cooler zones. It has the fewest growing degree days, but it's a shorter sort of season as well because we don't have the moderating because we're so far away from the lake. We don't have that moderating influence. So uh, often uh, you're picking the Piconi fruit a lot later than than normal. Um, but what's really special about this vineyard is the fact that it's, it's some of the oldest Cap Franc vines that are in Ontario. Like these vines were planted in '83, I think. Um, so we're talking at, at this point, they're 35 year old vines. It's, it's 38. I was born in 83. Okay. I'm very aware of my mortality <laughs> these days. But, um, you know, uh, it's just, uh, I think there's two or so acres there. I had, I wa- did a, I've done a few walkthroughs of the vineyards, but you can just tell, um, I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name and I'm terrible for makes, not. Makes me wonder though, you know, cause she said it's a, it's a late hanger, late picker. Yeah. Like, I mean. Is it still hanging now? It looks like it's going to be a nice week in, in Niagara this week. Sunny. I, mean, I haven't management. been in touch with Mark, so I don't know if he's picked his... But I mean, vineyard management this year is, is insane. Like It's just like, I, I, I don't know if I've said it on the on the podcast, but like at the beginning of August, we got some uh, some fruit from the fruit. Crispino Vineyard up at the top of Mine mm-hmm. Ridge what for was, Rosé. Oh. And, and we were told, like, you want six tons of fruit, no problem, six tons of fruit. Like, the, the crop yield looked very high. Mm-hmm. And then, like, two weeks of rain. Crop yield cut in half for us. Although it's strange because we talked to Craig McDonald last week, and I apologize to everyone for getting the podcast up late, but it did go up. Uh, we talked to Craig McDonald last week where he talked about how there's going to be a lot of fruit, which is why we need to get someone from a small winery to let us know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be we're getting somebody. I'm looking looking into getting a, a smaller winery in to talk about how this vintage has been. Because sure. a large vineyard, like a large producer like Craig, he's got a, what do you say, 100 vineyards to choose from. Whereas, you know, if you're... Well, I still yes. just, I remember fairly early on in Harvest, like when the rain first started to come in, Brian Brian Schmidt from Vineland put a post up with like a hashtag that was throwing some shots at the at the Pinot growers because like I, one of the reasons why I work with Pinot is because it ripens early. Like it's not just because I love Pinot and I do love Pinot, but from a business standpoint, being a tiny, tiny, tiny producer, I need to hedge my bets and I don't want to have to wait till November to harvest and take that risk. With Pinot, it's less of a risk, but... For Brian to throw that shot, I wonder. I wonder if he maybe threw a little bit of karma at us to why the rain hasn't stopped. <laughs> well, it seems. I mean, not that we're looking said, for someone to blame, but I'm saying it stopped this week. So anybody's hanging still, you might. I don't know if you're going to pick much up. Like the leaves are a little on the yellow side, but I mean, uh, you might pick up maybe a brick if you're lucky. Yeah. All right. But, so, so Allison, according to you, since you are the Cap Franc expert, what is what is the commonality and what is like the the thing that makes the bench and the the uh the non-escarpment side the bench side cabernet franc like what ties it together what's the big lebowski or what's the rug that ties the room together well it's, it's really the impact of the limestone so basically we have in niagara on the lake as well as lincoln lakeshore we're dealing with a very different sort of soil system and, and bedrock so we're on shale uh the queenston formation red shale with lincoln lakeshore as well as um, you know, Niagara River, St. David's Bench. Well, St. David's Bench has some escarpment influence there, but it also has the... the um, so basically, this is the Lake Iroquois, the old Lake Iroquois sort of floor, if you will, 
And then we have glacial till soils, which is a combination of it can be more sandy or clay or silty, depending on the on the site. But that's really what makes the difference here. Whereas these two, uh, the the boutique and then the uh, Piconi, were on the escarpment, so we have limestone as the impact as far as the bedrock here. So we call it Piconi, but we should mention the the producer of it is Fogelar, Fogelar. which I don't think we Thank mentioned. You. We no. kept calling it Piconi, but it is it is Mark um, Pistor, Mark yeah. Pistor, and his and his Fogelar. Correct. Uh, Allison, is this going to be on the quiz tomorrow? It is not going to be on the quiz. Uh, Damn. Okay, we're out on that one. Okay. <laughs> All right, so now we've done the bench. We're going to come a little bit further down. Is that where we're coming yeah, down? Yeah, you know what? Let's do, uh, let's do the South Brook. Let's talk. Well, we'll, stay, we'll stay on that sort of side of the, of the Welland Canal, and okay. we'll talk about the Lincoln Lakeshore and this other historic vineyard, um, the Laundry Vineyard. And uh, Heather Laundry has been farming... Uh, this site, her family, Ooh. forever and ever and ever. And actually, it was Taz uh, who was taking the Cabernet Franc fruit from the laundry vineyard for forever. The better part of I think that's yeah, the fifteen first or so. That I tasted where I just remember my mind being blown. Correct. And not really. I think it must have been like the twenty fifteen or no wait, it would have been earlier than that, like the twenty twelve or I, I can't remember the specific vintage, but I just remember it. We talked about yep. muscular and elegant. It had those two traits to it, and it was just like, it was one of those wines where it's just like, oh my God, this is worth every penny I've paid for it. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it was actually 2018, I think was the first vintage that um, Anne and her team at Southbrook started to vinify the Cab Franc from the Laundry Vineyard. And um, really the distinguishing sort of piece about this vineyard. So Lincoln Lakeshore, it's a pretty big appellation, um, but because of how far... West, getting my directions, yes. Because of how far west it is, um, it is cooler, uh, so it doesn't have the same influence. As west of where? West in terms of, you know, uh, west of the U.S., west of Niagara River, basically. Okay, so as okay. we're moving west along the QEW, basically. Okay. Dory, <laughs> I'm, I'm just moving to Hamilton. I still, I, yeah. don't, I don't know which way is north anymore. It's wacky. I think you are, um, you are still the regular way. You have not, you have not gone under the lake. I believe you are, the north is still away from the lake. No, north is, north is the lake. Correct. So you're under the lake? Yes. Hamilton. Hamilton's under the lake. Mm. Okay. Well, and I, I was messed up. Like when I go into Toronto to do work now and they're like, the, the, um, the doors are opening on yep. the north side of the train. It's just like, is that? anyways. Yeah. No. I didn't mean to hijack this. Let's, let's keep talking about Lincoln Lakeshore. So the, the sort of particularities of this vineyard specifically is the, the soils are predominantly sand uh, in terms of that sandy loam. So there's a high percentage of sand in, this, in the soils. And for me, that gives this real sort of silkiness um, to Cab Franc and this definite, there's a definite perfume to this wine yeah, that so is totally really overall, particular. Overall, and I think that is, uh, whereas this, uh, the Fogelar Vineyard, there's almost no sand in that topsoil. It's mostly clay. Uh, so there's a certain density to the to the Fogelar in terms of that Piconi Vineyard site, and then whereas this you have more sand and there's this sort of elegance, this perfume, um, and there's also a really uh, lovely kind of like like a blue fruited note that um, I remember when I met with Paul. It's more um, blue, like it's more like blackberry jam, I find. Yeah, a little blackberry, but I get the blueberry in it as well, and and that nice little floral note to yeah. it. So. A really, really uh, gorgeous expression of Cab Franc, and again, very distinctively kind of different from you know something like this, this that is coming from sort of this cooler site that is uh, more clay, sort of. Definitely not, ones. definitely not as muscular. Now we're looking at you know uh, different, different, completely different vintages. Sure, Fifteen, of which, is a, which is a short, short right? crop and a good vintage. 
based on the winters that we had, versus 18, which is a, a kind of a wet uh, vintage, kind of an average vintage. If well, 18, 18 was crazy hot summer, so actually, I'm still waiting to see how some of the early ripening varieties fare. Because I think it's fascinating that even for the seaward wines... Which ones, you, which ones are those? The, we're, white, we're, the white grape that starts with C. Anyways, for those wines... Chenin Blanc? Even, uh, do we do Chenin Blanc in Ontario? Not a lot of it, I think. I think it all died in 2014. I don't think so. I remember Cave Spring had some Chenin, oh, yeah? but yeah, but they, they got rid of it, right, which I is s- too bad because the Chenin was a really good wine. What, what, what it's t- nice that you bring up Chenin, Andre. That, uh, yeah, you're not going to get me to say it. <laughs> you're not going to get me to say it. But what, the point I was just about to make, though, is like the, how the seaward, I almost said it, the seaward grape soaked up a lot of heat, and even wineries that are not known for using a lot of oak. It showed a lot of oak. I think the same thing with the Pinots. I think the 2017s and 2019s, frankly, are going to be ready to drink before the 2018s for the early ripening, but it's crazy just mm. how it's a, it's a story of two vintages. Like the Bordeaux varieties, um, I, I think, had a harder time in 2018 than things like Riesling and whatnot. So. Well, 18, as I, as I said, was like a polar opposite of 17, right? Hot through the summer and then rainy vintage. Not as bad as 2021, but, but let's not get into that one again. <laughs> so, so this is the, uh, I just saw you pour it, Windrush 2019, Correct. Jonathan Boyle Classic. So um, this, uh, this Windrush, uh, John, John Boyle is the, the winemaker, and Windrush is actually located kind of Orangeville-ish, yeah. um, and they are planting some vineyards up there. Uh, but this is coming from the Bach Vineyard. Uh, which is in St. David's Bench. And St. David's Bench is a really interesting uh, sub-appellation in the Niagara Peninsula. It's the warmest. It has the most growing degree days, uh, which would have been helpful in 2019. 2019 was a difficult vintage, cooler vintage, wetter vintage. Um, so they would have had the benefit of a little bit more warmth uh, here in particular. Very good I, for I thought, I thought 2019 was going to be like the, the worst vintage I'd seen in probably my entire career. <laughs> and then, but, uh, and then 2021 happened. Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> Hold my beer, says 2021. Um, Let me show you how bad things can get. But it's cool. Though. Like Some of the wines from 2019 that come out are... like there, There's some good stuff sure. already starting to come out from 2019. Yeah, it's... Um, the whites were really good. The aromatic whites were fantastic because that, that, that great searing acidity that, mm-hmm. you, that you'd want with food and stuff. So. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I think there may be... A, this wine might be slightly faulted. Like I'm getting something on... I don't know. It might be a hit of... VA or Brett, or maybe a touch. There, there is something there that's, um, and you and you catch it also on the back palate. So, sorry, Allison. I mean, you, you didn't make it right, <laughs> and uh, who knows? But um, yeah. So the final wine, uh, the big, the big daddy uh, that we're going to talk about today. So this is uh, the Two Sisters, twenty seventeen uh, Cabernet Franc, and this is their vineyards are Niagara River. So Niagara River. Is it literally hugs the Niagara River, um, and it is again uh, one of the warmer microclimates. So basically, we have Four Mile Creek, which is the big Appalachian in Niagara on the Lake. Uh, this is sort of where all the sunshine is and all the ice wine production, and and like that is the workhorse of of Niagara on the Lake. And it tends to be. It depends on. It's it's honestly Four Mile Creek is too big of an Appalachian. There's too many variables as far as those different sort of uh, nuances as far as the climate. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Niagara River is this really thin strip of vineyards that literally hug Niagara River. And it's second to St. David's bench in terms of heat units and growing degree days. Um, And Two Sisters, um, uh, in terms of what they're doing, and Adam, uh, 
fantastic winemaker. Yeah, and really uh, his, he's got the right fruit for it too. Wow. He um, well, obviously we haven't ta- we're talking all reds here, but his Blanc de Franc sparkling is an outstanding uh, wine, and he really has a, a way with Cabernet Franc and. Um, I appreciate while this style of Cab Franc is probably not the one that I would typically gravitate to because it is a little bit more bold. Um, I appreciate its sort of existence as far as the conversation with regards to Cabernet Franc and its uh, ability to be, it can be juicy and elegant and fresh and, and uh, you know, have those, that finesse, but at the same time, it can also produce a fuller bodied style of red as well. Do you think this is typical? Like, okay. I, I love Adam's winemaking. I, I love what two sisters does and that two sisters exists. And from a marketing standpoint, I love that we have people who are pushing the envelope in terms of people trying to elevate Ontario wine in general. That being said, I, I know there's no wizardry or like, I'm, I'm sure if Adam was here on the podcast, he wouldn't fudge the truth about anything that happens in the cellar for making the wine, but he has a lot of tools at his mm-hmm. disposal that make sure that not a single drop of underripe wine get there, even more than Brian Schmidt and mm-hmm. his optical right. sort this, this thing is, is, when, is big and ballsy. So, and so the question I just want to ask then is when you have that many tools at your disposal, are you still making a wine that tastes like the region, even mm. though it says VQA Niagara River on it? Or is it your tools and your tool belts who are doing it? It's a great question. And honestly, um, with any grape variety, as much as Riesling and Pinot Noir and Chardonnay can all, I said the C word, uh, can all show... You're, uh, you're allowed. It's Andre. <laughs> uh, can all show place. Um, you can't deny the fact that there is winemaker influence with all of these wines. And um, so... Is it still the same place? It's hard to it's hard to say, um, and that kind of requires a deeper deeper study of the sites and sort of vintage after vintage, which, you doing, haven't done which yet? I have not what? had the time to do yet. Well, does Niagara even have the history? I mean, it's it's, it's the thing I've, I've been reflecting on with with I have five vintages under my belt now, and I couldn't tell you that because every vintage has been so different. Sure. I couldn't tell you whether it's the soil or the site or the weather. Or the wine, because I've worked with two different winemakers with my tiny little company now. I, I, I couldn't tell you which factor has the biggest influence over sure. what my wine tastes like. Well, this, this two sisters and, and, is... And I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Like, is, has Niagara been around long enough? Like, Do you think even someone no. like, like Thomas would be able to no. come in here no, and, and, and say that that, that Thomas, common line line? Thomas will fake it, but he... yeah. I don't think Thomas would fake anything. But Thomas will fake it till he makes it. I think there are... like Boutique is a great example... Pocone Vineyard, Laundry Vineyard. These are some good examples of sites that are showing very strong promise as a clear marker for a place. I'll say that when I tasted uh, this Laundry Vineyard from from Southbrook for the first time, it I was literally floored because I had the the marker of the Taz version of the Laundry Vineyard yeah. in my head, and as soon as I tasted this, it was like holy shit, swear jar. Um, <laughs> you know the rules, <laughs> but really, um, I was blown away because the site really came through for me. And as somebody that loved the laundry vineyard from Taz, um, so yes, winemaking obviously comes into play and, and you can't deny that, that fact, but I think a good quality vineyard will, will shine through, um, even all those, those tricks for well, sure. I, I, like the two sisters, I tasted that one and I, I got a lot of, um, similarities between that and lately, uh, Derek oh, yeah. making. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's also oh, Niagara sure. River. Yeah. 
So I was like, wow, you know, it's got that muscular, it's got that lots yep. of tobacco, lots of dark fruit. I don't think and I again, remember Derek's wine having this, like, this cassis back. I don't, ever, I don't remember Derek's it. wines having this alcohol. In a, in a, in a vintage like 2017, it would, uh, it would be more muscular. Mm-hmm. And I, I consider 17, uh, because of the way it ended, more of a hot vintage. Yeah. Uh, remember we're talking to Craig McDonald. Yeah. He said there's always that one vintage in 10 that's just, just a wacko vintage. And I think that's where we come into 17. Yep. It's a wacko vintage. You get a good vintage or you get a bad vintage or you get a mediocre vintage. Oh, I, but this is a, that's a wacko vintage. And, and, I, and I think you, you in, in those wacky vintages, which, which end really well, and we get a lot of that you know, structured fruit, you get a lot of structured wine. You, and yeah, it's kind of that Derek mm-hmm. Barnett style of mm-hmm. Cabernet Franc that's got that power, yet elegance. And yep. you know that this wine has still got 10 years oh on my it gosh. easily. And you and you could store it in the cellar, and you'd be like, "I'm not worried about that wine." I don't think it has anyway. ten. Year, I don't think it has ten years oh, for. for sure. uh, okay, I don't think it has ten years for the way I like to store wine. For the I, way you I drink. think. I think it's. I think in about five years, it's going to really start to show some oh, secondary. Five years, great. Yeah, I think that that tannin is is going to hold on for a long ass time because of of winemaking choice. I think it's going to be tough to find that balance of keeping the fruit fresh and having the tannin fall off. I think in 2030, you'd be very surprised at how good that wine. I think in 2030, it's going to start to taste like baseball glove, and mm-hmm. I know that's going to be great for some people, but it's not going to be for me. All right. You, you disagree. I'm okay with that. What do I, I know? Mm, yeah. I, I think the, I don't think the tannins are as intense on this wine as they appear um, in terms of, I, I think right now there's a lot of fruit there that kind of needs to be kind of relaxed and, yeah. and, and shed. Um, no. I, and it's got it's got a nice tobacco note too, which I always associate with Cabernet Franc. And it's sorry, I just a, don't want my fruit to relax too much. Yeah, see, and and I for I me, do. I would like this to have at least five more years on it because I think that fruit needs to settle settle down. Yeah. Five years is where um, I hit it. But it's very similar, you know. I just had the like I had Craig's uh, the two shale from Trius. Or red, red shale, excuse shale, yeah. me, red shale from. You had uh, two red shales in the same night. Which I, is why you I don't know. Remember it. I got it. Um, but yes, I had the red shale from from uh, Trius, and there's a lot of similarities between the the two 2017. Yeah, 2017, same vintage. But again, there was that beautiful sunny fall, um, and if you look at even the boutique, as much as this is a cooler, sort of more elegant, finesse-driven style, this also doesn't have a lot of green on it. No, it doesn't. No. So there's similarities in terms of those. Sort of this vintage. That, that, being, that being said, and, and this is, I, I just I need to put the asterisk behind it because I think it's something I've mentioned on the podcast before. Is I, I do love the fact that there's a movement towards being less involved in the winemaking and, and just kind of letting nature take take its course. But at the same time, I think it'd be foolish as business owners and as people who are making the wine to ignore the fact that technology exists. And I think Brian does a really good job of walking the line of being oh, yeah. in the vineyards, taking care of them, but at the same time needing to make wine on on, on scale. So. When I'm mentioning that what Adam does at Two Sisters, he has a lot of tools in his tool belt. I'm not taking away from the fact that that the, this wine is excellent because it is excellent. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not as bothered as other people are about manipulative winemaking as long as it's not deceptive in its marketing. If you're honest about how the wine is made, fill your boots. Tell me how you did it, but but don't show up at my house or don't let me show up at your tasting room and have you lie to me about what it is or at least fudge the truth about how it is sure. you got in your bottle what went in your bottle true enough there i know that's kind of a separate thing but it's just tasting these wines from different producers and different styles and like going from mark Pistor yep. to 
Brian Schmidt to Ann Sperling mm-hmm. to Adam Pierce. Like I, we, we definitely have a lot of really, really good winemakers on yeah. this table. All of them have a very, very different approach. But, but, but very, very in- interesting in the in the cooler vintages like eighteen and nineteen versus those riper vintages like fifteen and seventeen. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really liking the riper vintages. Um, I really I find a little. I I know, I know the laundry is a very lovely wine. Very, I know we're not supposed to say feminine in nature, but it is feminine in nature. But it also has slight green notes that that I really don't want in my cab franc. The thing is, I love the green notes in, in Cab Franc, and I think it comes down to, and I also think it's fascinating too how like your your culinary influence and what it is you like to eat and drink sure. affect it. And coming from Saskatchewan, it's been a while since that since I've said that no, on the podcast. Says, but, but he's but using a spittoon from Saskatchewan. So. Eating, uh, yeah, we're spitting in, in our Darien Durant glasses uh, from the <laughs> one of their cha- I think their championship season. Anyways, um, but like coming from a place where you know winter means a lot of stewed meats, a lot of braised beef. Sure. Uh, you know, my dad hunting for venison and things like that. And it's just something about having those that pyrazine, those savory notes to complement what goes into into a stew, like the bay leaf and like some of those sure. more subtle savory notes. And it's just like when I get a, a more elegant and a capron with some pyrazine, like mm-hmm. that's something that I like. Not too much. It's got to have like the it's like bay leaf. Like it's got to have a little. And bit. Alice, what's your thoughts on on pyrazine? Should it be there? Should it not be there? Are you looking for it? You're not looking for it? I'm always looking for it. Um, always, because Cab Franc is not Cab Franc unless there is a, a kiss of, of the pyrazines or pyrazines or however you want to pronounce it. Um, and I, I approach that green herbal, you know, when I'm talking about Cab Franc in, in terms of my, my posts and, and videos, what I'm sort of alluding to is either a Cab Franc is going to be fruit forward or it's going to be more savory. And it kind of leans one way or the other. And it's just a question of how those pyrazines kind of come through uh, whether it's obviously in some instances it's, it's bell pepper, it's weeds in some instances, and that's typically when it's not great. Uh, and then in other instances, you will get rosemary, mint, you'll get bay leaf, you'll get and you cedar. Those, and you consider those pyrazines. Those are yep. Those are sort of sort of evolutions of pyrazines. So okay. tobacco, right. green tobacco, cured tobacco, um, moss, wet leaves, like all of those things kind of are, are versions of the, the pyrazines coming through. And it's just a question of whether they lead or whether they kind of take a backseat, in my opinion. Um, but Cab Franc without it is, uh, I don't Cab think, so. is, <laughs> well, yeah, is well, well, you know, it's funny. I'm going to go back to this two sisters. Well, like, 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 Allison, this thing I've noticed about like Napa, Napa Cab Franc. And I've been lucky enough to taste a hand. And actually, I have a Napa Cab Franc from the Tokolon Vineyard in my cellar that mm-hmm. I'm happy to have. But the reason I love it isn't because it's like it's Cab Franc. It's because it's really, really good wine. I don't know. Maybe we could get to it tonight. could be one of those nights. But it's just, the thing I love about that wine isn't that it's Cab Franc. It's that it's really good wine. But if someone told me that that was an example of Cab Franc, I just find that that heat in the Napa Valley destroys the varietal characteristic of Cabernet Franc. So what's the Parisian note here that you get in the uh, in the Two Sisters, which I find... I think I can find some. I, I find it as tobacco, but what yep, do you find? There, it as? There's also there's an herbal undertone. Like I'm getting like a little bit. Actually, bay leaf is very particular. Um, even a little bit of a rosemary kind of thing. But there I, is a distinctive sort of herbal undertone that's just sort of hiding there in the in the background. But for sure, tobacco is there as well. I, I found a little bit of clove as well. Yep. So I don't know. If clove would be. From the grapes, well, though I, I think clove would be more from the barrel. I would think, it? But... Uh, not necessarily. Cab Franc is okay. a spicy variety, <laughs> um, 
But no, actually, there's a great what wine. What do we know? A great winemaker in. So I'll tell the story. Uh, there's a great winemaker in South Africa, uh, Brewer Rats, who I had a great conversation with back in. It was almost a year ago now, and he is a huge proponent of Cabernet Franc in South Africa. And he basically described the variety to me as, he says, it's the elegance of Burgundy, it's the spice of the Rhone, the structure of Bordeaux. And that's why he loves it so much, is because it kind of combines all of these elements together. So there is an inherent spiciness to Cab Franc. And I try to pick out, sometimes it's black pepper, sometimes it's clove, sometimes it's cinnamon. It sort of depends on, again, it depends on the where it's coming from and warm climate, cool climate, what have you. Um... But yeah, there's uh, that clove could definitely be barrel. It could also be something else. We don't know. <laughs> All right, and with that, let's close this off before we make jerks of ourselves by saying other things like that. No, I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating to learn and, and, and discuss. And it's just like I, I appreciate you coming on just to help us keep unpacking the grape. You know, actually, you know what? Can I ask one more one more question? No. before we get to the, no. the jump. No, you're not. Allowed. No, no, no. This is. I think this is an important one because Allison, like you, you've chosen Cabernet Franc for your your. And I, th- I probably asked this to you last time. If I, if I did, just like tell me to shut up. Well, it's just like, to, let's do it anyway. I think it's fun to tell Andre to is, shut is, up. Is, uh, well, you know, actually, here, I, I know how to frame the question differently. Sorry, just collecting my thoughts. It takes a while because... The train's got to come back to the station. And that's yeah. it. Um, is there anyone that you think, uh, other than Brian Schmidt, who is doing a good job at convincing people to drink more Ontario Cab Franc? I and think, are, there, are there any lists in the city or, or sommeliers that are really leading the charge to be like, okay, Chardonnay and Pinot, because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the psalms in the city are really you know, yeah. losing their minds over, but is there anyone who's just like, you know, no, no, let's, let's try Cabernet Franc. Like, where's the change going to happen? Oh, that's a good question. And honestly, um, actually one of the things that I kind of wanted to sort of conclude on anyway, as far as all of these wines and, and the conversation today is the fact that as a variety in Ontario, we can see very clearly that there is a myriad of styles that uh, it can produce, whether you prefer something that's light and juicy and crunchy, or you like something that's bigger and bolder. And my hope is that folks like Brian, myself, um, Mark, uh, Anne is a big proponent, uh, Paul Pender from Taz, that all of our voices kind of combined can start to remind, like sort of drip by drip, tell people that Cab Franc is something to be paying attention to. I do think that it is, you know, it's not a starlet like Pinot is. Uh, I know that people are really go Gamay, go, uh, but as far as I'm concerned, if you've had Cru Beaujolais, Niagara Gamay doesn't hold a candle like to Cru Beaujolais. Like, it's, we, need, we need more people working with it, and Shiraz is on the right track. Yeah, Shiraz is doing a good job. Shiraz is the king of Gamay. And and I think Thomas is doing a pretty, he's you get starting to get his way. But you get, I think it's Thomas, Thomas isn't doing it in the full Beaujolais style, and he'll be the first to admit it. No, but he, I, I like what he's doing with it. He, um, and he said he doesn't have the resources to do carbonic maceration, which I think is, is necessary on top of getting good extraction to make crew quality Beaujolais. But like even then, you get kind of whispers of it, like even 13th Street, where it's it's good year in and year out, but not great. I guess we maybe need to have you on to, to do the Gamay showdown. No, and we can, no, uh, no, 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 no. That's not my forte. Um, <laughs> no, but I agree. I agree. more fun, then. I agree with what you, what you said, but I don't think we're as far away from crew quality Beaujolais as people would think, but... I think you're also right in Cabernet Franc. We are light years ahead of where Gamay can and should be. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think we're as far as we should be with Cab Franc. I think. Yeah, I agree. That's what I agree. I think. I think we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we dropped the ball on Cab Franc long ago. 
but we had that conversation. Also. Yeah, we did. We did. And I think, you know, there are Psalms in throughout the, the province and all over and I'm seeing them, you know, and I'm meeting them sort of through my... How many have gotten a hundred percent on your quizzes? <laughs> Still it's funny, on. the people that tend to get 100% are not the people you would think to get 100%. Oh, I've seen the list. Uh, Some of them are exactly the people that I, I thought would get 100% <laughs> on your quiz. Um, but anyway, Chris Chris Roman uh, messaged me the other day, and she's like, are these all MWs that get 100%? I'm like, no. Like, oh, these Sean, are just Sean like... Cozy, <laughs> like mild-mannered vineyard owner in Prince Edward County, who I don't think has any Cab Franc planted. I think yeah, he's these a, are just nerds that appreciate knowledge and but a mild good information. Nerd too. I never knew he was that much of a nerd. Um, it happens. But really, we need some. We do need some more voices to to get behind the variety, so that uh, so that more of these wines can. Holy crap! Pinkus Pink just gave us the wrap it up. Set. It's wrap it up time. <laughs> I want to get to the stump the chomp. I'm really looking forward to it. We are joined today by Allison Sloot of Cap Franc Chronicles. Tune into her Instagram account every Wednesday for the impossible quiz, and hopefully <laughs> one day you will also reach the 100% club. Although I think I'm pretty vocal when I'm in the 0% club. To and, you. and 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 um, and as a fellow uh, a, a video producer, I guess when does your video come out? Uh, you make videos it, too. It seems like it's a feel like when you whenever it whenever you want. No, actually, I post a video every Sunday. Generally. It is Sunday. Okay. Every Sunday, right. yes, is okay. when I post a video, and then there's other stuff in between there. So got it. I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. Um, follow me on social media at AndreWineReview and Patreon.com/slash Two Guys Talking Wine. We appreciate the support. Doesn't take much to keep this podcast going, but uh, every dollar helps. So. It's the end of the year, and if you really want to make our Christmas merry, think about helping us out on Patreon. Stuff something in our stocking. I think Wait, put that second. in the that's, square jar, Michael. That doesn't sound quite right, did it? I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com, uh, the great guy on some social media, Michael Pincus on others, but I'm always there. As always, thank you, Allison, for joining us. She will be joining us again to see if she can pick out some really neat stuff on Stump the Chump. Andre, as usual, thanks for hosting, and good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This episode of Two Guys Talking Wine was produced by Jim Ray. And Adam Duran.